Corruption like yours must be eradicated. It's Tales of the Jedi, but I like the Sith. <laughs> Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Tales of the Jedi is a relatively new Star Wars animated series, and today we're going to review it. Full spoilers ahead for the season. But it's only six episodes in less than 20 minutes apiece. Take an hour and a bit to get through the show, and come back if you really care. From this extreme long shot, we zoom into our medium shot. So, Ryan, what compelled you to watch Tales of the Jedi? I stayed before, you know, grew up on Star Wars, loved it. Especially loved the Clone Wars, going through, you know, elementary school, then middle school, and then when it got brought back. I saw, I saw they were doing this, saw the trailer, got really excited when I saw young Dooku. Because Dooku is probably one of my favorite characters from the prequels. Most of that is because of it's Christopher Lee. And another part being he has an actual good point to make about Jedi. And he's not really full evil. That changes a little bit in the Clone Wars show. But yeah, loved the uh, 2D animation. And anything Dave Filoni does, I probably will watch if it's involved in Star Wars. And then this happened and it's great. Well, as for me, I've loved Star Wars animation since those 2D Clone Wars shorts by Jindy Tartakovsky. But the true Star Wars animation king is none other than Dave Filoni, whose work on the Clone Wars, Rebels, The Bad Batch, and now Tales of the Jedi ranks among some of the best Star Wars has to offer. Tales of the Jedi's premise didn't have me especially excited, mostly because I've seen a lot of Ahsoka already and wanted more pre-Phantom Menace stories out of the show. But the promise of Dooku-focused episodes had my attention. Because like you said, he's a very fascinating character. Played by the iconic Christopher Lee. And also played very well by, what's his name, Corey Burton. In the Clone Wars cartoon as well. So getting to see more work from him would be a treat. In a prequel series too. Awesome. So, into our close-up now. You want to go episode by episode on this? Uh, talk, sure. Talk First one sucked. <laughs> didn't care for it either. <laughs> didn't, didn't really like it. Uh, like, I, I get it, uh, how they show her, you know, discover being, has Jedi powers, but also is a little overpowered, because there's this predator, like this saber-toothed tiger that's just, like, by herself, would have immediately eaten the baby. <laughs> but, yeah, I didn't really like it. <laughs> it was very slow, and, you know, they say put your best foot forward, this one... Uh, not not the best. It, Thank God it was 10 minutes. Yeah, that's the saving grace of it, is that it's... I can understand why people... Well, I'll say, for example, I know Justin is a really big fan of visual storytelling, and this episode has that in spades. You can just sit down and appreciate this episode for how it visually tells a story. It's It's deliberate. And even, like, the facial animations are very precise as well. You can probably turn the sound off and get exactly what's happening. It's a, it's a cool little short film in the Star Wars universe. But I will probably never watch this episode again. It's just, it's kind of boring. Yeah. And there's not really a lot. Well, you know, I, I want to give it the benefit of the doubt and try to dig into it a little bit deeper. So we see Ahsoka's parents... In this one, we learn where she gets her tenacity from her mother, who fights tooth and nail to keep her baby safe against the against the predator out in the woods. I like that it established yeah. the lore of when they go hunting for the animals, that it's, it's there to teach their children about the life cycle of the universe, and she gets the baby to stare death in the face, and say this is the natural end point for all living things understand this at your very young age early so you can respect and cherish life for however long we have it so that's i think that's a, that's a good uh moral lesson for a uh, little ahsoka to learn it impacts your character later i also thought it was interesting how 
at the very end of it, when they realize Ahsoka's Force-sensitive, they immediately think of the Jedi. Because I know in some versions of Star Wars, getting sent to the Jedi is nearly this traumatic thing. Oh, you're going to take my baby away and raise him in this order where I'll never be able to see him again. But they kind of treat the Force and the Jedi like it's something to be revered, nearly. Like, oh, wow, my child might get to be a Jedi? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, they care more about yeah, the, the potential for their child than having to give her up. They know it'll be better for her to be with her own people. Yeah, I get, like, the small details, but I, sometimes some of the animation kind of looked a little wonky. Huh? I, it, honestly, in my opinion, I think Dave Filoni or the, the creators had the next five episodes they planned out really well and then they were like no we need one more and they're like uh okay and they might have just kind of rushed this one a little bit but that's because they they're so different from this one episode throughout the other five they're just in terms of quality and actual storytelling i don't know yeah i don't know man I don't really have an interest in talking about this one. (laughs) You know, can we skip forward to episode five? Let's just talk about Ahsoka's episodes first. Yeah, we'll do Ahsoka's. Yeah, that makes sense. Because honestly, I was was less interested in those ones anyway. But we'll try Mm -hmm. to analyze them for what... And those aren't the ones people are... Like, everyone's talking about the Dooku arcs online right now anyway. So let's let's talk about the Ahsoka ones a little bit more. Get... uh, uh, Show those in appreciation. Episode 5 is the one where Ahsoka gets shot a bunch of times. And... You see her her training. Anakin walks in on her training. He has got really short hair for some reason. Obi-Wan has really long hair. I don't know when that's supposed to be set. It's weird. I don't understand. It's really strange. It broke my brain. But she's training the basic training. And she's nailing it. But Anakin's like, you're not training well enough it's too easy so i'm gonna put you in a death circle with the 501st and have you have them shoot stuns at you so you can constantly train and it was kind of it's kind of funny because it's like a montage of uh just her getting absolutely destroyed yeah so for all the haters out there that say she's overpowered she's not no she gets absolutely destroyed i don't like when people say ahsoka's overpowered because there's there's so many other characters written way worse than her, and we've talked about a lot of them mm-hmm. already. But Ahsoka is a character who, she's very powerful, sure. But if you look at those early seasons of the Clone Wars especially, she's just a young kid who makes a lot of, like, more powerful than, you know, all these highly trained clone troopers. And is it a little weird she gets a commanding position as, like, a 12-year-old? Sure. But that that's never what... The point was, she made a lot of mistakes. Anakin had to impart a lot of wisdom on her. Oh, not just Anakin, even, but Plo Koon, Obi-Wan, those other couple Jedi she ran into throughout the series. She grew and matured a lot as a person. Made a lot of impulsive mm-hmm. mistakes that any kid would make. And she, she grew over time. She was not perfect right out the gate. She's not even perfect even later on in the show by the time Rosario Dawson's playing her in that part of the timeline. She's still, she's always been this flawed character who is, I I think that's the difference. People see powerful character and they immediately think Mary Sue, which, no, I'll take Ahsoka over someone like Rey any day. it's It's night and day how they're written and portrayed, both being very powerful women in Star Wars but one has an actual story and the other is just really powerful and I can't say a ton more about her. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really like the callbacks to, or is it technically call forwards? Anyway, Bo- both. the call, they went both. Early and later. I like, yeah, I like the, the callbacks to what I assumed was a mission right before uh, Ahsoka gets accused of murder and she has to go on the run. Yes. During around that timeline, because even uh, Rex comes up to her whenever Rex and her are on state uh, screen, I get so excited and a little sad. Hmm. But I, we even said like impressive, you survived five minutes that time. So it just goes to show she never stopped how much training. training she still. Yeah, they never stopped training. How much training she still has to do, and how it made sense that she was able to outrun. 
almost the entire army when she was being framed. And uh, even uh, at the end of the Clone Wars in season seven, I love that they went back there and they said and just yeah. right before she enters the final area. I thought that was really cool. What I liked about that is that it showed a lot of these Jedi during Order 66 never would fathom their own clones turning on them. But it just so happened that yeah. Anakin had her train for more difficult enemies just than battle case. droids this entire time. So there was always a part of her that other Padawans didn't really, or even Master Jedi didn't really have. She's, she's been sensing for years when clone troopers are about to shoot her. Which, look, I can under, let's, let's criticize that just for a second and say, well, you didn't need that unnecessary backstory. It does, a, it does that thing a lot of Star Wars things tend to do, which is fill in holes that nobody really cared about in the first place. A big example of that, the entirety of Rogue One. Nobody was asking why that port was there, but they made a whole movie for it. I'm not complaining. I like the movie. I like this episode. Didn't need Well, they it. did that to fix a plot hole. I'm just saying. Of like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Why is there they, a hole in the fucking Death Star? I'm just saying. Star Wars is a franchise that more than any other one I've seen loves to fill in its plot holes any chance it gets. Most franchises just leave well enough alone, but Star Wars constantly likes going back and rewriting itself and tinkering. And I blame George Lucas for that. He's the one who went back to the old movies and re-edited them to make them the way he saw later on, and that's a whole different discussion. But that goes back into Star Wars DNA, is the creators going back, trying to fix things, change things in the timeline later. Sometimes they're good changes. I think this is a intriguing change. Sometimes they're bad, like I don't know, putting a rock in front of R2D2 or something. <laughs> Changing <laughs> Greedo to shoot first. They don't always have to make sense or another good one I liked in the Clone Wars is Well, I don't really see this I don't really see this as a change so much as it just adding to her character. Yeah, it's an unnecessary addition because I wasn't really asking those questions. They're trying to answer questions I wasn't asking in the first place is, is what I'm trying to get I think at. haters were asking probably, but not they weren't loud enough in my opinion. Well, all they did with that episode was just make me ask, what part of the timeline is this set in? The Clone Wars were already post-Attack <laughs> of the Clones, but Obi-Wan's got long hair. The, the clones have the Attack of the Clones design. But I'm pretty sure in the Clone Wars movie, they had more of the Revenge yeah. of the Sith design and Obi-Wan had short hair. And that's the first time Ahsoka got introduced to Anakin. So when's this episode set? I don't understand. I don't know. Star Wars is ruined. And I wasn't even asking those you questions see, in the first place. See, you just you were trying to fill in a plot hole and you made more questions. With uh, you an see animation Kanan Jarrus. Course. That's pretty cool. I didn't even catch that until afterwards. Justin was like, hey, I didn't know that was Kanan, right? I'm like, oh, oh, I didn't even notice that one. Yeah, well, that was a cool, cool cameo. Yeah, a little fun little episode. Uh, shows the dynamic between her and Anakin again. And uh, all returning voice actors are pretty cool. But I think her best episode, obviously, is episode six. Yes. And it starts on a very somber note at Padme's funeral. I'm going to be honest. I got a li little teary-eyed when I saw that Ahsoka was in the crowd. That's a nice like, addition. Oh, my God. She, she went to her funeral because they were good friends. Especially in the, if you ever watched the Clone Wars, they were actually really good friends. Yeah. And um, they were Bail kind Organa's of there. Shocker. I know he would be at the funeral, but I was shocked he was going to be in the series at all. Yeah. Which and, I thought uh, was really cool. I like when they bring I, Yeah, in... really cool. I don't think it was Jimmy Smith. I think it was the voice actor from the Clone Wars. So, mm, which is fine. Let's see. I've got Not the... Not too sure. I've got the sheet open right now. Mm -hmm. I don't see Jimmy Smith's here. Yeah. yeah. But Ahsoka basically gives up after Order 66 and says, we should all just go away, whatever. And But Bail is just like, no, if you need me, like here's this, here's this little communicator stick that you just call me on. Yeah. And an indicator, just call me on. And then she goes the, uh, the old, you know. Ben Kenobi. Exiles. Ben Kenobi route. Exiles goes on a farm. A lot of farms in the Star Wars universe. Someone's got to eat, right? Goes on a farm to collect hay. 
runs into these two or works with these two brother and sisters. What's up with Ahsoka the teaming brother... up with siblings? It doesn't work out for her. She does that a lot. Well, at least this two, these two weren't as annoying. Maybe it's because uh, they were only there for like five minutes. What are their names? Rafa and Trace were the other ones. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the brother is very into the Empire because they ended the war. But even the even the old man was just like, well, you know, be careful. These people talk yeah. about power. Yeah, they're a little sketch. And the sister is very into the Jedi ways. And Ahsoka's just kind of just sitting there like this, just like, just trying not to say anything. I like that the whole village got burned down because the one Imperial lover called the Inquisitor. I just, that was, that's great yep. dramatic irony there. Ironic, yeah. That was good moment there. Loves the Empire. I kind of wanted to see him die. But I didn't know if they were going to go that far. Oh, that's even worse. I think, because I think I, it's better. I think it's better to have characters who screwed up live to suffer through the consequences. Yeah, I don't like that's true. Death is the easy way out. That's something writers don't understand. They think killing characters off is the justice. Living them live to reap the consequences of what they sow. That's that's real justice, and yeah. That's true. Killing them off is too yeah, easy. Yeah, Dooku's, uh, Dooku's fourth episode was a little dark. Sorry, the fourth Sorry. episode, Dooku's last episode was a little dark. But yeah, uh, so Ahsoka, you know, they're getting on the hay bale, and then it falls over. But then Ahsoka's like, no, push the haze out of the ways of the daughter. Did a Cal Kestis there? And then she's like, I know what you, I know what you did. I don't worry. I, I, I got you. I keep your secret. What's that and they I say? Guess... In, what's that line in Obi Wan Kenobi? The, the the Jedi code compels people to help; they can't help it. Yeah, it's true. But also, does the brother notice? How does the brother find out? She finds out because he finds out because the sister was talking to Ahsoka, and she's like, oh. I, know, "I know you're a Jedi, right?" And she's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." And the brother overheard him. Mm -hmm. So. So yeah, so they go off to sell hay. They sell all the hay. The Inquisitor. But as they're leaving, the guy says, may the force be with you. And she's just kind of like, uh-oh. Busted. But they go sell, sell the hay. Not great. Come back to a burning village. And they see probably the best design Inquisitor I've ever seen in my life. I want that mask. That <laughs> You're going to see that mask at every cosplay convention. That's I think great. some people don't like this show because it contradicts some of the books that have come out in terms of like Ahsoka books. I've seen a controversy about that. But also but also I think Star Wars is known for and also Dave Filoni is known for saying the things that are like main canon are always going to be the television shows and the movies. Now I think what the controversy so take was... Take that with a grain of salt. It wasn't that they overwrote the book. It was two things that I remember hearing that got people angry. It's that in the book, those siblings were people of color, and in the show, they were made to look more white. That was one problem. The other thing oh, is I that, didn't hear that the other problem people had was the sister, out of the out of the two of them, she had, she was pretty heavily implied to uh, have romantic feelings towards Ahsoka, and Ahsoka. So, so people were like, okay, well, you know, she's kind of Im like heavily implied to be a lesbian in the books, but in, in this show, they made it more of a platonic mm. thing. And Ahsoka reacting to it, a lot of people thought Ahsoka's reaction implied she was asexual as well, and that's also gone too. So people are like, okay, so you whitewashed some of the characters and took out all LGBTQ2 plus connotations to it. That, that's what people were upset about. Was it basically adapted the story, nah. but, took, but took out the more progressive elements of that story? Which, it wasn't... E okay. So that, that's what people were, like... But it was kind I of never heard any yeah. of that controversy. Yeah, I that never was... heard any of that, so I'm surprised by that. Which, I, I don't really have a strong opinion on that, because I didn't read the original book, and I know it wasn't really a one-to-one -one adaptation. This may have even been a different yeah. story... Well, this, it was it's kind the of same thing that time. happened it's the same thing that happened in this season finale the series finale of clone wars 
it's so different from the book. It's completely different. Yeah. So if it was a one-to-one so, adaptation and they changed it, that's that's definitely wrong. You shouldn't change the source material if it's if it's supposed. I don't think to be it's an adaptation of, at all. Yeah. It was just a it was a thing. one-off book written because Clone Wars got canceled. Yeah. If it's supposed to be that's its own it thing, whatever. You can still add that those other things in and other Ahsoka adventures, which fine. I, so that's one that doesn't really bug me that much, but I get why people are upset at the same time, just at the idea of them burying more progressive elements, seemingly. Yeah, I don't know. I never heard any of those progressive elements, so. Yeah. I've, like, going through TikToks about this, I never saw why those were the reasons people were mad about it. But if that's a thing that in the books, then What did you hear sure. people but were also, mad about? Like I said, it was just, like, how, it was all small, petty stuff, like how she got how she battled the Inquisitor, uh, where she ended up, and also the Season 7 stuff. Like, that's the only stuff, quote-unquote, controversy. And also some Dooku stuff as well, and, like, why he left, and the introduction of Yaddle or something. Like, like that's not in the book at all. But also, it's non-canon stuff. Or, like, it could, it was considered non-canon because Clone Wars was cancelled. And now Clone Wars is back, they want it to be, like, the book. So that's the only, that's the only thing I heard, but... My problem with that now... When you're when you're saying that is were these books made during the Disney era of Star Wars? No. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a problem. They were made because, because Clone because because Clone Wars was canceled, was bought. Yeah. And then was canceled. So then I don't know who wrote the book. It wasn't Dave. I don't think it was Dave Filoni, but wrote the Ahsoka novel. And then this happened. No, to me that's and a then, big, that's a big problem because I know in the old expanded universe, the idea was kind of exactly that. Everything is basically canon until george lucas overwrites it which he did a lot of times when he made the clone wars when he made the prequels he overwrote a lot of stuff and then kind of just picked and choose what he liked about the eu which when george lucas was running things fine but the disney era was always they wiped out the old expanded universe and basically promised us 10 years ago that everything they put out was going to be a cohesive canon they made a Lucasfilm story group whose whole job it is is to keep this canon straight. And it undermines people's investment in your expanded universe. When you promise us everything is going to count and not overlap, and then later you have a more definitive version, like someone higher up on the producer's totem pole like Dave Filoni makes, so people see that as the legitimate version of the story and just overwrites the other stuff. I have a problem with that as a fan because it just... Why invest yourself in Disney canon if they're going to overwrite themselves? Once again, it was different well, in the, it a... was different in the old days with the old EU because George Lucas was just licensing Star Wars, basically. He was just letting people do what they want until he wanted to make Star Wars for himself. And as the creator, he could do that. Disney's making all this. They're the ones in charge of it all. So them overriding themselves is even worse. Well, let me, let me clarify. The, the differences that happened, there were very minute differences, like small differences about, like Rex in the book apparently never portrayed Ahsoka. Like he got his chip out before it happened. But in the show, like that's the one major difference that I know. And then... The other thing about the Inquisitor encounter, it's on a different planet. Like, it's not involved here. And I don't think... Yeah, this was released in 2016, so it's during the Star Wars era. Oh, that's I mean, peak. the Disney era. That's middle of but Disney also, era. But also, like, this wasn't... This is, these Tales of the Jedi thing and the Season 7 of Clone Wars, they're not... They never said or never allude to that this was going to be an adaptation of the Ahsoka novel, like these storylines. And also the fact that it's the classic Star Wars thing where you could even say like, it was like, well, from a certain point of view, this is what happened. So I understand there's like that phantom towards the, the books and having it kind of be like a one-for-one -one copy. But also I think Star Wars is known for whatever's main canonized is always going to be movies, the TV shows, and the cartoons. But I'm going to tell you cuz not also, there's not going to be there's not going to be a majority majority audience aren't going to read a one-off novel 
And that's not going to be well-known information. But I'm also going to tell you I understand you right now, the criticism, why, but also like... But why readapt those stories at all? The Ahsoka novel exists, and that's Disney canon. So let it just be its own thing. If you want to tell Ahsoka stories, make new stories. Because not everybody's going to read the book. Because not everybody's going to read the book to find out what happened to Ahsoka at the end. So they had to adapt it for the small screen. And I'm happy that they did. Well, for Clone Wars Season 7, I'll give them a pass there because that needed to happen. And it wasn't just about Ahsoka. That was, there was a lot more going on there. But for Tales of the Jedi, you could have told any story you wanted with Ahsoka. You didn't have to redo one that was already Because I think people and... wanted to see this. People need to see Who? the midpoint between her. I didn't need to see this. I, I think w- a lot of people did. I wanted to see it. There was so much hype about her, like how she got the like the her white lightsabers in Rebels are from this Inquisitor. Mm. That's what it's from. This is her her saber, like um, the Inquisitor's kyber crystal is what makes the two white sabers because she steals them back from an Inquisitor and reheals them. them from the bleeding, yeah. bleeding crystals, and that's why they're white now. And they always wanted to see, and I think it was well done in this episode, where the confrontation literally only happened in three moves. I think that's brilliant. Well, that goes back to the the famous because it doesn't have to. From... It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be this huge spectacle fight every time. You know, a lot of sword fights back in the day were like three moves or fencing fights. Yep, they weren't these this huge spectacle of it was like attack, attack, or defend, pause, attack like quick jab or whatever it wasn't these like huge spectacle fights and i like how it's like the most probably the most intimidating inquisitor that i've seen and immediately i want to know more about this inquisitor because it immediately recognized who ahsoka was it's like can it be and then Ahsoka's like well now you're gonna have to die yeah so i think it was well done yeah to me the ahsoka ones are the weak points of this show though is just because We'll we'll get into the oh, Dooku. Sure. We'll get into the Dooku ones in a sec. But to me, the problem with the Ahsoka ones is that they added information about her that I either just implied already or didn't really need to know. Like for example, episode five there, I enjoy that, but I also didn't need to know that she could survive those stormtroopers, uh, clone troopers, because she trained with them. I was never asking that question. I already knew she got her white her white blades and that the crystals were purified and that she eventually joined the rebellion. I watched all that story later play out in rebels. I could assume why I didn't really need to see why that happened because I already know the outcome of it. And maybe I could levy those same complaints against the Dooku one, but the Dooku arc tells a slow gradual decline of his story. This is why this, this Jedi master betrays everything he knew and loved and joins the dark side and works to create the separatist movement and bring his own order down it's about the formation of his ideology and this is stuff we had not seen before so to me the dooku ones carried a lot more weight ahsoka episodes were just answering questions i didn't really need to know the last one was the closest one to show why she went from being an exile to a full-on rebel that was, that's the one I was most interested in, if only because it, it further, it was a missing piece of the story I was actually curious about, but a little bit, just ever so slightly. Yeah, but the, I hear you. No, yeah. But the most interesting thing about the arc as a whole, I suppose, is that it shows, to me, the series Tales of the Jedi Season 1, it's about the... The two sides of exiled Jedi. In the Ahsoka arc, you have both feature stories about Jedi who the Order screwed them over. They both have a chip on their shoulder. They're both two of the only Jedi in the history of the Jedi Order to walk away willingly and not be killed in action or anything. Like, they're... It, nobody leaves the Jedi Order willingly, but Ahsoka and Dooku are famously two of the few in the Order's entire history. And this show is about the diverging paths. Ahsoka 
had a chip on her shoulder with the Jedi Order. She didn't like it, but she had these values of the 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 sanctity of life instilled into her from a from a young age. She had a master who gave a crap about her enough to to teach her actual survival tricks, and her master was unconventional too in in his teachings. He taught her other values outside the Jedi Order. And she took those values once she left the Jedi Order and brought them into the galaxy at large. She didn't have grand ambitions. She kept her humility. She kept that chip on her shoulder. But she was, in essence, what a Jedi should be without the shackles of the Order. Going throughout the galaxy, peacekeeping, saving people, fighting greater evils, but in a, in a low-key kind of way. Whereas Dooku took the exact opposite approach. He let his anger come to define him. He didn't want to... He thought the Jedi way was so corrupt there was no saving it. So Dooku, instead of taking the ideals of the Order, what worked about it, and just going out into the world with that, he decided to leave the Order and tear the whole thing down, build from the ground up. So that's the difference. One jaded person takes the good things they learned and makes their teachings better, improves upon them in a way, whereas the other guy just throws it away entirely and tries to start from scratch. So there, I think it's a pretty... So that's what Ahsoka's arc brings, I think, is, is just... Mm. This is what... This is the light side of a... Jedi who left the Order. This is the ideal outcome of the... Because the Order was clearly flawed. It, it had all these unnecessary restrictions that made people bitter. You couldn't, you couldn't love people. You couldn't form attachments. You, the Jedi Council were, as seen in Episode 2, they were pretty political in a way. Dooku's the one who actually investigated the Jedi Master's death, and he was not rewarded for it, whereas Mace was like, nah, we should just leave and inform the council. And he gets a seat on the council. So clearly they were unfair. They got way too involved in the politics. The Jedi Order was very flawed, but at their core was good ideals propagated by people like Qui-Gon and Ahsoka. They're ideal Jedi because they don't... They follow the will of the Force itself, not the wishes of the Jedi Council or the Jedi Code, which has been corrupted and flawed over time but dooku just wants to do away with it entirely so they're they're just they're two extremes and that's what's fascinating about it and that's why i think ahsoka's stories were worthwhile in the greater picture i enjoyed the episodes less than the dooku ones but as a whole i, yeah. I get what they were going for and i appreciate that so unless that's you have good. something to add there, yeah i agree the, uh, yeah the, I... the dooku ones yeah, I agree with you that the Ahsoka ones were definitely not as interesting to watch because you kind of can fill in the gaps, but it's also just kind of nice to see how she was able to do it. I still think they were the weaker parts of the show. Uh, I think her final episode was, I think, really good in terms of just an overall story and her coming to terms with, does she still want to be a Jedi? Does she still want to fight for good? And ultimately, she just does because it's just in her nature to do so. Uh, even everything yeah. that's happened to her, that's happened to her friend, that's happened to her master, and yeah, I think it was really good. But Dooku episodes, holy shit! Yeah, let's get into those. Some of the best, some of the best animation stories on I've seen in a while. This three episode arc was better than a lot of the movies, even honestly. <laughs> it's true. So the first one, he and Young Qui Gon, who was voiced by Liam Neeson's son. Yeah. Which is really cool if you That's think awesome. about it. Uh, are to investigate a senator's son being kidnapped. As they go to the planet, they notice that the entire, almost the entire land is in ruins. It's all almost covered in ash. It's not taken care of properly. It's and in disarray. It's falling apart. The people are starving and mm -hmm. they look disheveled and just dirt poor and hungry. Well, how is this supposed to be happening? This senator is supposed to stand up for his world. The world shouldn't be like this. A republic world that looks like this? Blasphemy. Yeah, and it turns out the 
senator in charge is just more corrupt and cares more about power and selling off the land for profit. And when they finally get to the son who's been captured, turns out it's just the local farmers that did it. And the son is content with being captured after seeing what happened to his land. How he's actually disappointed in his own father, who, uh, who has almost effectively destroyed his own home. So when the senator shows up, Qui-Gon at first is like, we shouldn't get involved in this, this is bad. But Dooku says, uh, I'm not going to just let you kill these farmers because of what you, because also what you've done to them. And one of the best exchanges, you work for the Senate. No, I work for the people of the Republic. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Just the arrogance and of the senators. Senator... And, and uh, you know what? He's not even wrong because the Jedi go out of their way to defend these politicians. We see it all the time in the prequels. They hold meetings with the Chancellor. They look over Senate meetings as well. All of episode two was about Anakin being a bodyguard to Senator Amidala. They get really involved in galactic politics. They're also become, yeah. They also become generals of the Republic's Grand Army, fight on behalf of... They're not peacekeepers anymore. They're fighting on the front lines for the government and whatever the government's politics fighting this separatist movement when they really shouldn't care that these worlds are separating from the Republic at all. So I understand why Dooku gets pissed, because in that moment he realizes uh, the Jedi are a little too political, and I think we're backing the wrong side. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, great fight scene ensues. You fully see Dooku... He's, he's calm at first, and then a few people get killed. I think maybe Qui-Gon gets... I don't know if he gets hurt, but he gets shot at. And then he immediately gets angry, pulls the senator toward... Well, first of all, kills all the robots or all the people shooting at him. And then pulls the senator towards him and has a very scary exchange with him. Which, what uh, Joe quoted at the beginning of this episode, corruption like yours must be eradicated. And Qui-Gon thankfully stops him from just murdering the senator straight up. And by the end of it, you see the son of the senator kind of vowing to save the planet. But uh, I don't think that happens. Probably not. that actually happens at all. I love how the way the episode was set up. The way the episode is set up, you see, it's to the point where by the end when he says, I'm going to make my father change this, you just, you know he won't actually. The episode makes you cynical enough that at the end you, you, like Dooku, realize that even though this guy wants change, it's not going to happen just... It's not going to happen without a fight. Yeah. Episode... Yeah. The next episode. Episode four, we have Dooku and Windu going to investigate a Master Jedi being murdered. I love the premise of this episode. Just two, two Master Jedi doing a, buddy Windu, cop, yeah. doing a buddy cop thing. Just doing, this is what Jedi did before the war, just investigating the death of a master. I just, I like this. It wasn't, um... Windu wants to play it by the book, just go to the city, investigate, and ask him, but Dooku wants to be hands, like an actual cop, and be hands-on experience, notice, and actually investigate. He wants to and solve the mystery, because that's what they're supposed to yeah. be there for. Mm-hmm. And but the but when it's like no we have no jurisdiction here whatever it's like a Jedi was killed like let's go investigate this so they get to the uh, the scene of the crime and they notice that the uh, blaster bolts were uh, on the trees because they land in the exact same spot where they said that they landed on the trees are um kind of pointed towards the direction they're looking so and they're and they think being... to themselves well if you were ambushed the bolts would be from the opposite direction mm-hmm. these bolts were clearly if the jedi master was killed looking this way these shots came from behind her so they dooku immediately pulls out his lightsaber says i will have answers what happened and the senator there different senator kind of panics and runs towards them and says it was the guards that killed him that killed her guards immediately shoot the senator dead and then you have lightsaber fight well not lightsaber fight uh blaster them fending off against the guards and then they finally they overpower them again because it's dooku and mace probably the most powerful jedis around that time besides yoda probably yeah. and you have 
I also like, here's a little bit of nerd lore, that Dooku's lightsaber was blue, because blue is associated in, with uh, Strength more hand-to-hand -hand combat, and, yeah. and, gr and green is more spiritualism uh, in tune with the Force. Yeah. Yeah. Little, little, little nerdy thing for you. And the purple is just because yeah. Sam Jackson wanted a purple lightsaber? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't yeah. know if... They gave a reason, they gave like a canon reason yet, which I don't think they should, because I think the purple's funny. A canon reason for purple is it's the mix between blue and red. Red is just straight up aggression, blue yeah. is the strength, but guardianship at the same time, so purple is metaphorically, you're, you're a guardian, but you're riding the line. But it doesn't really show it here, in this episode. But, uh... But yeah, solves solves the reason. I think the guards said they killed her because Republic is being corrupt and not. I don't even remember the reason. I don't remember I just either. Dooku the to point kill was, <laughs> yeah, the she okay. They killed the Jedi because the. I think she was in. She found out something about a, a plot of theirs. Yeah, a plot of theirs to overthrow the Senate because the Republic is corrupt and taking all their resources and all that stuff. Yeah. So they, so they head back home. Once again, Dooku sees another example of Senate corruption. And he's like, we're mm -hmm. defending these guys. And then when they capture the guys who were going to, who did all these assassinations, Dooku admits his sympathies with them. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, you know, I see, I see where you're coming from and I kind of agree with you. You went a little too far here, but I agree with you. And uh, that... So that kind of turns them even more. Oh, yeah, and the other big thing, which I think also changes Dooku's mind, is that Windu, following the Council's by-the-books instructions, doing what the Jedi Council and the Jedi Code would decree, they would not... It's what got him the seat. Yeah, it's what got him his seat on the Council, even though he did so nothing. Sorry. I just dropped everything off my desk. Oh, so no. sorry for sound. He got the council seat and he did nothing. Dooku actually investigated this stuff and he... No recognition. Yeah. I think their reason was because Dooku's actions caused the senator's death and they didn't want someone like that on the council. But it was, it was funny at the end of that exchange where uh, you see Dooku say, like, well, now you've hit your like, rightful place, Master Jedi. So you kind of see him start to slip away a little bit. I saw a hilarious... And you hear like an ominous music. I saw a great meme about that. Somebody said, uh, you need to... This is another example that proves you need to give people the rank of master and a seat on the council. It's true. <laughs> to give one without the other. What would you rather have, though? I think I'd rather have master. Well... Because, like, realistically, Anakin was, like, what, on the council for a week? If we think about it? I guess so. I don't know, the council In terms members... Of movie time. No, I'd, ra I'd rather be a master. I don't want the the problem. The, yeah. I don't want the hassle of having to oversee Jedi, be a historian, having to be a yeah. a revered teacher, sit in that boring room all day staring at the same 11 faces. I want to be out there doing stuff like Dooku and Windu were doing. At least the chairs look comfy. Yeah, I could fall asleep in those. And they get that they get the most beautiful sunlight on Coruscant. Just I love how it oh, yeah. shines in the in the council room. It's gorgeous. Yeah. So the best Sunset. episode of this entire miniseries is um, yep. the fifth, no, fourth one, whatever. Yeah. Where uh, you see Dooku start to slip, and probably the most emotional one, where, well, at first you see Dooku go into the library, library and delete Kamino, Kamino off of there, uh, which kind of um, answers a question when Obi-Wan goes to investigate it in Attack of the Clones why Kamino's not in their records. It shows that Dooku was there, and he deleted them back around Phantom Menace era. And then you see... What do you see? Him waiting uh, near an elevator. Qui-Gon Jinn, played by Joe? Liam Neeson. You see Qui-Gon. Yay! That was a great surprise. Liam Neeson. He's always up to voice Qui-Gon whenever, or just show up as him. So happy he so. came for a cameo in this. It was really nice to see Dooku and Qui-Gon actually interact for once in... Well, I mean, we saw it in mm -hmm. episode two, but like Qui-Gon as we knew him and Dooku, yeah, just, bef and Dooku sure. just before we knew him. And I think what made that... And another surprise. Go I was ahead. Gonna say, what made that... Well, the most powerful scene to me in the episode was 
right after that when Yaddle confronts Dooku at the tree and she's talking about how mm-hmm. he missed Qui-Gon's funeral. And he's like, well, I didn't really... This was his favorite spot on... to move on, yeah. yeah. This was his favorite spot on Coruscant, a kid who grew up on this city planet, was fascinated by this living tree in the middle of all this concrete beautiful jungle. beautiful scene. Yeah. Beautiful scene. And it just showed... Another surprise was That was, was the moment the Dooku turned. Yeah. Yeah, Yaddle. Yeah, another surprise was Yaddle was uh, because she was in episode one but then disappeared. So she's here voiced by Bryce Dallas Howard, which is a little surprise. And uh, this Yaddle appearance kind of just confirms that Yoda is a freak and just speaks weird because Yaddle speaks perfect English. So I was I was interested to see if she was going to speak like Yoda, but I guess not. I guess Yoda is just weird. Funny thing that. Yeah, Yaddle, I thought, was a very interesting character here because she, like Qui-Gon and Dooku, saw through the Council's BS and realized that... Mm-hmm. Well, what I loved about this episode was that it did confirm a lot of people's uh, suspicions that the Council really did cause Qui-Gon's death because if they took the idea of a Sith Lord seriously and actually went to investigate it, yeah. Qui-Gon might have survived. But the fact that in their own hubris, they're like, no, we vanquished the Sith a thousand years ago. There's no way they could be alive. And Qui-Gon's like, I'm pretty sure they're alive. Can you, like, let me train the Chosen One and, you know, give me some This guy had a red lightsaber. (laughs) And a lightsaber. Who else has lightsabers? Besides us, guys. Come on. They're just laying around in, like, you know, Moss Eisley. He's just buying off the rack. So the fact that the council Uh, is kind of to blame for Qui-Gon's death, I understand why that would make Dooku even more bitter. Because he's already annoyed with these people for backing a corrupt system and for having a very stifling code. And they got one of the few people he cares about killed. And he's just Mm -hmm. like, "Mm." Fuck this. That was his last connection to the light side. Mm Mm-hmm. So he goes to visit yep. Sidious. And one of the most interesting things I thought was that he'd been working for Sidious for a long time, clearly. But Dooku still wasn't a Feed bad guy at this point. Dooku yeah. just believed in the Separatist movement that the Republic is stifling and they are corrupt. And many worlds that are the bear the brunt of this corruption would be perfectly within, should be within their rights to secede and form a better coalition for themselves, and the Republic wouldn't want that. So I understand why someone like Dooku would say, oh, this Lord Sidious guy, he's pretty sketchy, but I'll be his inside man. I'll, I'll get that clone army commission that he wants under my fake name Tyrannus. I'll get um, the Camino records deleted. I'll, I'll do what he wants because he's helping me with my separatist movement but dooku's not a bad guy he's not sidious's apprentice at this point he's just kind of helping out they're kind of mutually beneficial relationship at this point but he's still a jedi at his core he still has his blue lightsaber and everything he's not full-on sith yet which i thought was fascinating qui-gon was the turning point though qui-gon was his last connection to the light it's like i said before ahsoka and qui-gon are very similar in that they both are these kind of idealistic versions of the light side of the Force, where you use the Jedi teachings, but break free from the Jedi code. And they both, they had very similar worldviews, and so did Dooku. But Qui-Gon dying under the Jedi, that only convinced him that the Jedi way entirely was wrong, and just too deeply flawed. Mm-hmm. So that's why, and then Yaddle chases him down. And he doesn't, he doesn't fully, he doesn't even want to fully go over yet because he goes, he doesn't go to like congratulate Sidious. He goes to confront him saying, the first thing he says to him when he gets to Sidious, you've gone too far. Like Qui-Gon was never supposed to be a part of this or get involved. And and Sidious fully goes like, he could have been an ally. I didn't tell. He said he could have been an ally to us. Yeah. No, like Sidious did like, I didn't tell. No, he, I didn't tell Darth Maul to kill anybody. Actually, no, he didn't do even. De- no, that I don't was think his own volition. Actually, I think that's not. I don't think that's what happened. He he didn't even deny it. 
I think he just said, "Well, like whatever happened." I thought to happen. uh, he came. He came off. Yeah, he came off the vibes. Was like, I, just, I didn't say anything. Like you know, whatever he got involved or whatever. He's like, "Don't blame me." And then Yaddle, this is kind of a dumb Yaddle moment where he's like, "I can take on <laughs> this person one on one and not call for backup." To be fair, she thought Dooku might be backup. She thought she could convince him to be backup. I don't know about that. Anyway. Come with me. We'll forgive you. Help me fight this Sith Lord together. Will is great, great I tension the whole time. Mm, great tension the whole time. Both of them trying to convince Dooku to join their side, and then Dooku is just like, "It's too late for me," and then instantly attacks her. I was like, "Holy crap! This is insane." I thought I was like, "Oh shit!" When she gets smashed with the gate, I was like, "Oh, that was brutal." Damn, I thought that was it. And then she does, like, you know, the Jedi thing where she lifts up. There's a little bit of hope all the time. You know, hope is the big thing in Star Wars where she lifts up. And then you kind of see her just, pr- like, pray to Dooku, like, one last time. Like, don't d- don't go this way. Like, it's not late. It's not too late. And Dooku's just like, it's like, sorry. But, yeah, uh, I'm done with the Jedi. And then just straight up stabs her. I was like, damn. Damn. Brutal. Brutal. They just showed that. I thought one of the, that Absolutely was one brutal. of the most... I think visually speaking, that might be one of the most beautiful scenes in the whole Star Wars franchise. Just that moment of a dying Jedi with her last ounce of strength defies death to lift up the door and shine light on those leeches that live in the darkness and would uh, suck the life out of the galaxy. And she uses her last ounce of strength to show that you can fight back against these people. They may hide in the darkness, but will shine light on that darkness. And she dies and loses that day, but she, it just, it's a great visual. And the score in that scene was incredible, too. Just everything about that moment was, to me, instantly Ian iconic. McDermott came back to voice Sidious for a little bit. Ian McDermott. Fantastic cameo as well. I love me some Sam Witwer, but if you can get Ian McDermott back... Go for it. Yeah, I know what you're saying, yeah. He does a pretty good job. He vo- he mostly voices him in the uh in the video games if I remember. I think he voiced uh, him in Clone Wars War for He voiced him in Clone no, Wars. No, that was too. someone else. Was it? No, that was someone else. It was a different person in Clone Wars and then that original Clone Wars actor died. Oh. Okay. And then he was replaced by someone else, but I don't think it was Sam Witwer. I know Sam Witwer did it for, up, a, sure. for for a while. I think he did it in most of Rebels until Ian McDermott came back for. It might have been. Uh, it might have been Rebels. I know he voiced him in Rebels for a little while. Well, uh, anyway, no, not Ian McDermott. Clive Revel, maybe no. God, this does not help me at all. Here we go. Behind the voice actors. Tim Curry. Yes, Ian. Oh, yeah, it was Ian Abercrombie for the longest time. Then he passed away, and then Tim Curry stepped in okay. for the uh, last few seasons. You can kind of hear it too in those last few seasons. You, you can kind of tell it's Tim Curry a little bit if you ever recognize him. All right. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, I message. I message you after this. I was like, yeah, I'm. This is just more points towards the Sith, baby. Like, yep. of course, yeah, Dooku's right. You know. I'm willing to go on a large part of the episode to, to tell you why the Separatists were right. I'm willing to defend the Separatists mm-hmm. in, a, in a debate. I will go for a yeah. whole hour or less. Yeah. But uh, The genocide's not the best part, but, you know. Well, <laughs> no. Details, you know? Details, <laughs> just, details. Just details and everything. Look, I went to bat for House Green for an entire episode. I, I can... Yeah. I like taking on the underdogs here. Yeah. I also told you, like, Sifts seem like the better, more fun job. And, like, well, don't they get corrupt and then their eyes, like, become yellow and they're constant pain? And he, I said the same thing. He was like, details, man. Like, you can do what you want. The details with you. You can do, do what you want, want, but you become ugly. Yeah. You know, that's fine. If I just get horns, that's fine. It's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Sure. Uh, let's, I don't know, on the more technical side. I they don't look like Snoke. Oh, brother. I thought the animation in this show was beautiful, too. The score was great. Just a quick things on the technical side. I think Star Wars animation mm-hmm. just gets better and better. 
You look at early seasons of The Clone Wars, that 3D animation style hadn't really found its footing yet, but they just got better with it over time. Rebels was even more smooth, The Bad Batch was even more nicer than that. The I think Tales of the Jedi is even better too. What I always liked about this 3D animation style is that if you took... I think the backgrounds in a lot of cases look not quite photorealistic, but the character's the least believable part about the entire thing. Those backgrounds, with maybe a little bit of tweaking, could easily have been in Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones, or, you know, it's kind of the graphics of that era. Mm -hmm. But it does feel, especially for the prequel shows, it does feel like part of the prequel worlds, because that's what those movies looked like. They were very digital effects heavy. Mm -hmm. Most people would say for the worst, but it does fit that aesthetic and makes it feel like a part of the world. No, I really liked it, yeah. I love animation. I've, there's, you can literally do an unlimited amount, excuse me, an unlimited amount of stuff in animation. Like, the only thing that's limited is your imagination. That's what I love about animation. It's crazy how much stuff they did in the volume. It's <laughs> <laughs> my dumb joke for the day. Uh, but yeah, honestly, like, give Dave Filoni whatever the fuck he wants. Give him a trilogy if you want. Give him a a new show. Just whatever he wants. If whatever if he wants to direct the entire next season of Mandalorian, let him do it. He is he cares more about Star Wars than anybody that I know. And I heard that when doing Tales of the Jedi, he actually called up George Lucas for advice just to say, "Hey, do you think this is a good way to take these characters like where what would you do like he constantly talks to the godfather the whole time i feel like dave is one of the only people who still cares about george lucas working at disney yeah a lot of them were probably happy to be rid of george so they could do whatever they wanted whether he approved of it or not i mean mm -hmm. who's to who's to say but they yeah they just they act like okay yeah we're respectful of him but Dave was handpicked by George to do the Clone Wars. Nobody at Lucasfilm, save for maybe... Okay, I don't want to say nobody, but I know, besides someone like Kathleen Kennedy, there's probably not a lot of people who worked so closely with George Lucas. I mean, George even handpicked Kathleen Kennedy to be his successor as the head of Lucasfilm, and Dave Filoni stayed mm -hmm. on at Lucasfilm as, you know, head of animation and whatnot. But these are people he trusted a lot with his vision. And Dave Filoni especially follows through constantly. He really gets Star Wars and what George liked about Star Wars. And a lot of Star Wars feels like whoever's doing it, it feels like their own spin on Star Wars, but not always yeah. quite right. Like the sequels, for example, those movies are J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson's take on Star Wars. They don't feel like George Lucas's Star Wars done by other people. They just feel like they feel like a very but something like The Mandalorian, for example, it doesn't feel like Dave Filoni and John Favreau's take on Star Wars. It just feels like Star Wars. And there's mm -hmm. there's the difference. You can have those creative minds in this universe's sandbox, but it's just something about what Dave Filoni does feels right. His work on Bad Batch and Clone Wars and Rebels and it's all it's not exactly what George Lucas would do even though he George Lucas made the Clone Wars too but it just it feels right you can buy into it it just feels more genuine and like he's got more yeah. care put into it like he really gets it he just he gets what the fans wants cuz he is a fan and mm -hmm. so Love yeah. you, Dave Filoni. I think this is really good. I there's been there's been no news if there will be a season two, but I think everybody wants season two. I don't know what there's I want the show, from it. I think I would want some maybe more. I think I would want some more Mace stuff, like kind of his oh, own yeah. little adventures. Because I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to see a live action Samuel L. Jackson come back to life. I'm sorry. I don't. No, I, don't I know I there's that. a fandom for it, but like. It that just makes no sense. I wouldn't mind if they did that, like they did with Hayden Christensen and Kenobi, where you bring him back, set it I guess. In, the, in the prequel era. 
even though he's 20 years older now, it doesn't matter. But what I don't want to see in a season two is anything in the Rise of the Empire era. Disney's milked that era to death between the Bad Batch and Andor and Solo, a Star oh, Wars story, and, and Rogue One and Jedi Fallen Order, Rebels. Most of the things Disney has done in the see... last 10 years have been set between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. I want to see other eras. Give me more pre-Phantom Menace stories. Like, go do yeah. a High Republic thing. You even do, like, a Yoda thing, maybe. Like Yoda do a pre-Phantom... Sidious thing. I want to see more of Sidious. Like, yeah, do a Sidious backstory, Yeah, give us Just something. Don't do fucking, like, don't do, like, a three-episode arc on, like, droids. If I when I do like a rewatch of Clone Wars, there's like a five episode arc where it's just centered around droids. I just can't do it. I think those that episode was called Droids. It was our yeah. well, the, it was the, was it like the it. D Squad? It was like R two and yeah, the... it was to and then they find Wrecker or whatever. They find the like a commando, like the only commando in the yeah. Least favorite arc. The little my least favorite story in the Clone Wars is that one where R two and three PO have to find the the cake decoration and then Cad Bane kidnaps them and tries to steal information. Bro, I have no idea what you're talking about. I th- I skip those episodes. Padme, I skip all the Jar Jar Binks episodes and I skip the Droid episodes. Yeah, Padme sends R two and it sucks because some of the Jar Jar Binks episodes like Mace Windows in it. And she, he fights, I think, uh, Mother Talzin at one That was point. a good one. I liked, so I, I liked that one. Because I, I keep seeing clips of that online. I'm like, where the fuck is this? And I look up the episodes like, oh, it was a Jar Jar Binks episode. That's why. Like, no thank you. I think it's fair to watch all the show once. If you're going to rewatch, then you can skip those. Yeah, you can skip some episodes. It's like Avatar. Of course I'm skipping The Great Divide. Of course I am. But yeah, I want to see if they were were to do it. I was actually reading up earlier. Apparently, Dave Filoni was an animator on Avatar. I know he directed a few. And directed a few as well. Yeah. But yeah, I want to see... I would like to see more Mace stuff pre-Phantom Menace. Maybe yeah. some Sidious stuff on how he became a senator. Maybe? Nah, I don't want to see his master. Leave that up to speculation. Oh, maybe do a um, tragedy of Darth oh, Plagueis the Wise. Here's an idea. Maybe get uh, Liam Neeson and James Arnold Taylor do some pre-Phantom Menace Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon stories. Yeah, I guess. Because I remember there was a young adult series about that when uh, in the old expanded universe. And I like those books. Those those were good ones. You would have to pay Liam Neeson a fuck ton of money. <laughs> It'd only be for a I few I feel like episodes. you would have to pay him a lot. Ah, we'll yeah. see. Anyway, Tales of the Jedi, it was it was good. I mean, half of Bring it back was... Jake Lloyd. <laughs> sure. Why not? Do a... It's working! Do a story between... Uh... Oh, yeah, fill in some of the gaps between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. There's not a lot in that 10 years that we've seen. Oh, yeah, I would love to see... I would love to see Obi-Wan try to deal with young Anakin. Yeah, something like that. That, that would be a perfect avenue for this series to explore. So yeah, Tales of the Jedi. Are you nervous? Didn't uh, didn't love the Ahsoka ones, but I was I was entertained by them all. The Dooku ones especially are the selling point. If you're gonna watch any of this show, watch watch episodes two, three, and four. Some of the best Star Wars I've seen in a long time, and there's been a lot of decent Star Wars lately. So that's saying something. They're just on a they're on a hot streak as a franchise, and I I'm a fan of Tales of the Jedi. I want to see more of it. Double down on stories we haven't seen before. Stories that deepen the lore in meaningful ways. There's a lot of potential in this show if you can bring it back for another go-around. Yeah, I can't wait till they actually release a movie that they've all been greenlighting. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They keep greenlighting movies and giving movies movies to these directors, but nothing is happening. Movies are... I don't care about Star Wars movies anymore. The movies are dead. They keep... They don't know what to do with them. Star Wars lives on TV now. Oh, gosh. Eh, I wouldn't mind it. Because most TV now kind of just looks like movies. Yeah. No, you mean most movies look like TV now. It's bad. No, I don't. <laughs> most MCU movies do. Okay, fine. That's mostly In what I'm thinking four. of. That's mostly what I'm thinking of. Yeah. 
Anyway, those oh, are our man. thoughts on Tales of the Jedi. We loved it. Love Star Wars. Yeah. Still right. haven't bought a lightsaber, but I need to. Need to bite the bullet. Do it. Heads or tails, audience? Green or red? You're a red guy. Why can't can I just buy why can't I just buy I am. I can't just buy one that like changes colors, but isn't it like an extra hundred? <laughs> It'll cost you a so bit. Ridiculous. Yeah. Alright, let's wrap her up. <sighs> Alrighty. Well, you can find me at Ryan Walker Official on TikTok and on Instagram. You can find That's me. It. On- I was talking like I had more, but I had nothing. <laughs> well, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Thought Play Media and our Facebook page at the same name. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us on audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Find further film discussion and entertainment reviews on thoughtplane.ca forward slash articles. And if you'd be so kind, you can support Thoughtplane Media on Patreon, link below. Also, be sure to leave us comments and reviews, as that's a big help. And how about clicking that like button if you enjoyed this? We hope to see you on the next Close Up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time. May the Force be with you.